That's it. That'll do back, baby. Simpsons joke. Starting off right. Is that a Simpsons? I thought that was Babe. Uh, the Simpsons did a joke in reference to Babe, so I'm kind of doing uh, like a, a jokeception, you know, an inception gotcha. joke this time. So it's one of it's both. Yeah, it's kind of like they co-opted the joke and stole it from Babe, and so it's theirs now. Uh huh. It's like Family Guy. It's like he, he, if it's from something else, but we just use it in our thing. It's just a reference. Oh, it's yeah. fine. It's like the first time I saw it's Airplane. Fine. And I was like, oh, all of these jokes aren't from Family Guy. They're from Airplane. This is interesting. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that's that's where they got their uh, quote unquote inspiration. Material. Yeah. Uh, so. How are you, Travis? I guess should we introduce ourselves? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to Shift Shooters. That's a that's a hard F on that shift. Uh, I got to keep that a, a, in line with the. Uh, the rulers of our domain. So welcome back, everybody, to another week with uh, with me. I'm Travis and my, my associate here. Hello, I'm Sam. And uh, we're coming at you on a hot Sunday night. Hot Sunday night. It's actually not night. It's, uh, it's the afternoon, but... It has been hot lately, though. I don't know about you, but the weather's just been all over the fucking place. Oh, yeah, we had a lot of rain, and now it's sunny... And it's gonna be sunny tomorrow, and it's gonna be rain on thir- Tuesday, and then humid. Yeah, it uh, it rains a lot in Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> who knew? Who knew? How are you doing? Well, what have uh, what are you been occupying your time with, Travis? Oh, I got something to talk about this week. Oh, tell because me. I've been I've been I've been getting myself into a really like uh, a a hot topic of the modern age, something that a lot of mm. people have been getting invested in recently. And I, and I, I know everyone's eager to hear so much about this because I ordered the entirety of I love Lucy on DVD this week. Oh, shit. and I got that. How many, and I've been put, was that one collection? It is one giant box. I don't have it next to me, but it's 33 DVDs in oh one God. case. And, uh, DVDs. Yes. DVDs. I mean, it was never transferred beyond, 480i. It's a television show, you know. Sure, sure. So yeah, I guess it wasn't on tape. If they have the original film, they could uh, they could bump it up. But I don't I don't see why they would want to necessarily. It looks fine. But uh, that's that was something that I grew up with a lot because uh, for a couple of years we were uh, building a house and we had to live in an apartment. Which I live in an apartment now, so you know I I, I to me, it's it's now wonderful, but back then it was like this thing that was kind of annoying. And I remember we only had like three channels, and one of those was uh, TV Land, and the other two were like sports and news. So all I watched for like two years as a child was TV Land. And so I've probably seen every episode of I Love Lucy like five times. So this is super nostalgic for This you. is very nostalgic for me. And you know what? It's It's still a damn good show all these years later, but I have one observation that I did not make before. So you know the cast, right? You know, you got Lucy, you got Ricky, you got Fred, you got Ethel, right? Uh-huh. And then eventually uh-huh. you get Ricky Jr. Well, Ricky Ricardo, very famous character from the show. Uh, very, very, uh, you know, interesting historically just from the sake of it being one of the first, you know, interracial couples that was acceptable on, on, on American television. Very, uh, you know, storied history there. Ricky Ricardo. That's an interesting name, right? Yeah. What is what is Ricky short for, Sam? 
Ricardo. It's it's short for Richard. R- Richard. And what is Richard, Richard in Dick Spanish? Ricardo? Is Richard in Spanish Ricardo? His name is Ricardo Ricardo. Okay. Okay. So somebody was. This is like a John Johnson situation. No, no, no. That would be a John John situation. So <laughs> I, 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 somebody who who wrote that. I don't know why that got past him, why he he signed off on that, but that seems like well, it a, sounded good. I guess it's 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 lyrical. I guess it's lyrical. Yeah, there's a nice rhythm to it. It's got the uh, the the the. But double it seems R. like uh, sounds good. It seems like someone wasn't uh, paying attention or or didn't. Or, or some some exec made a call and he he uh, he didn't like it. I don't know. Yeah, and changed Gustavo's name to Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Lucy gets to stay Lucy, but Desi Arnaz has to play Ricky Ricardo. You know, isn't that a little weird? Well, the the only th- the I I never watched too much I Love Lucy, but I remember. Isn't it true that uh, Lucille Ball? No, not Lucille Ball. Who plays Lucy? Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, isn't she older than the woman who plays her mother in the show? Um, I haven't gotten that far, so I don't really remember. Um, but that's entirely possible, yes. I I think that's true, but I don't know. I also remember uh, on Nickelodeon a lot of uh, those those Dan Schneider, you know, foot shows copied scenes straight out of I Love Lucy. Oh yeah, now I remember that there was a whole episode of Drake, Drake and, and Josh. Josh. Where they did the, uh-huh. the Candy Factory episode, but with sushi instead. And it's, like, exactly the same. It's, like, one for one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, very influential Not as show. good, either. But, uh, man, I, you know what? I might consider getting that box set for Drake and Josh, too. That's another one, another blast from the past that I might Would have. you want that? that? I feel like that would be a little uncomfortable to watch now. I don't think the feet thing is as big of a thing in that show. Oh, it's not, uh, and and it does have. Uh, you remember uh, uh, Shirley from Community is the is the owner of the movie theater in Drake. Really, and Josh. I don't remember that. Yeah, remember the, the like Josh works for like a sassy black. Lady. Oh, I guess that was her, huh? Yeah, that's funny. She got around. She was around. She was in a couple episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm too. Although I think maybe just one. I think she was and a flight she, attendant. She did made her. I never saw it, but she. I think she made her own Netflix show or something. Oh. That's cool. Everyone's got their own Netflix show. Good for show you, now. Shirley. She has a name. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, she I'm does. sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, what I've been filling my 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 eyes and ears with this week. I also have been reading books while well, listening to books with uh, with audiobooks, and uh, I uh, was listening to more Foundation books. Those are still good. And I listened to another weird selection from the past. Um, hmm. I listened to Heir to the Empire, which was one of the first major EU books in the Star Wars universe uh, hmm. with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, it popped up in my uh, my Libby feed, and so I gave it a listen. Is that the is that the first Thrawn book? I've hear, heard a lot of people talk about how cool Thrawn is. There's a it's a trilogy, yeah, and uh, he is cool, and that's part of what I was disappointed by is that the book doesn't really focus on him as much, and and maybe the rest of the trilogy does, but uh, hmm. the first book is a lot. I, I think because it was probably one of the first EU books to be published, um, it was a lot of just like Han, Luke, and Leia sitting around reminiscing about stuff happening in the movies. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit annoyed with that aspect of it. That kind of, like, it's supposed to be, like, I don't know, like somewhere between five and ten years after 
after episode six, but they keep just being like, and this reminded Luke of being on Bespin and the feeling he had when he saw Vader. Like, it's just that, like, on every page, basically. Uh, yeah. And, uh... Well, I mean, it, once you graduate high school, you know, if you, if, if you peak in high school, all you'll do is think about the past. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, um... Otherwise, you know, it's it's cool. I think uh, I I wish I could read the the other ones, but they aren't on they aren't available at my library, so I need to uh, I need to somehow I guess buy them. But uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna check more of it out. I was trying to kind of reinvest myself into what I liked about Star Wars to begin with, which was often kind of stuff in the periphery, I guess, um, uh-huh. in the old canon. And uh, I don't know. I I want to get more into that and kind of like rediscover what I what I liked about it so much. So. Uh, that's a good book. Recommend it, even if uh, it does sort of reminisce a little too hard. But <laughs> other than that, it was uh, enjoyable. Well, we we talked about this for a minute before the show, but uh, uh, I've been you know focusing a lot on on sequels as a vehicle for for kind of revisiting the past, mm-hmm. um, because I think uh, a lot of people lately are kind of looking to the past for comfort. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I recently saw for the first time on Disney Plus mm. Frozen Two. Oh boy! Which uh, oh boy is right. Uh, you know, it's really surprising. It's it's not a bad movie. It's it's great, um, but but I think just because it's the second one, just because it's it's in the shadow of the first, it just doesn't it doesn't connect as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it was not the music's great like it's the visuals are wonderful i even think the story is is nice mm-hmm. but it was just incredible to me how like right off the bat from the word go the whole thing is trying to make you remember the first movie uh like it's the same opening music uh there's even a point where like literally one of the characters reenacts the entire first movie like it, it, it's it's kind of funny but it really is kind of drumming in all those kind of feels from the first one, um, which I think made it really not stand on its own two legs, unfortunately, and maybe that's why it was kind of forgotten. Well, it's interesting because I feel like Disney proper, like Disney Animation Studios, the feature film studios, almost never makes direct sequels. Yeah. Um, And so for them to kind of do that is sort of an admission that Frozen itself was such like a humongous thing for them. They kind of had no mm-hmm. choice but to sort of put that sort of level of effort into a sequel. And since they're not really used to that kind of thing, um, I could understand them sort of taking it in that direction and um, not really giving it the individual care that it probably needed. I mean, you think about like what Pixar does with its sequels, how it does such a pretty favorable job across the board, usually, in kind of having them be separate and, and have their own identities and sort of say something new with the material. Whereas I feel like mm-hmm. maybe with, with Disney studios, they were trying to um, rely on the popularity of the first one a little too much, but I don't know. I, I haven't yeah, seen and, it. And, so. and those things aren't mutually exclusive. I, I will say I actually really liked what new there was in frozen two. Uh, I, I thought they actually were, were pretty good at finding some messages that kind of resonated with me um, just because they were kind of pragmatic personal messages um but uh definitely uh you, you know they they those were other, that that message was undercut maybe by how much of the original was kind of forced in there um 
and I even was noticing, you know, small things like uh, there are moments when when Elsa is singing a song and she opens a door and and her spread she spreads her arm, arms out just like let it go and it just kind of evokes you know the first one again even maybe without meaning to right um, but it's it's sequels are hard uh, I, I think they're kind of a, a you know damned if you do damned if you don't proposition. And so it's it's been interesting kind of looking at a bunch of different kinds of sequels, um, seeing the ones that, you know, clearly were just kind of cash grabs, like, as I'm as much as I'm, effort as I'm sure went into the Hobbit movies, those feel a little soulless to me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this one feels like, it, they tried, like, they were working on it, but, like, just the nature of it being a sequel, I think, made it so it couldn't stand out on its own. I guess there's always the question, right, of, of whether or not the sequel was made because they had something more they wanted to say with it or because they wanted to or or because of like corporate mandate to make more money yeah. off of a thing that was successful and those things can obviously coexist you know th- there are situations that i can think of where it was both a good profitable decision and they had something they wanted to say that was valuable but you know oftentimes it's sort of one or the other i guess and uh i can think of a couple of examples uh, where where in animation, at least, where I thought that they did a really good job. Have you ever seen the How to Train Your Dragon sequel? Uh, yeah, I've seen the sequel, but I haven't seen the third one. Because the second one I liked a lot. I, I don't know about the third yeah. one, but um, I thought that one took it in a very interesting direction. Uh, that was sort of clearly they yeah, had a, or... a, an idea of like wanting to take it somewhere uh, that was really separate from the first movie and kind of the message of the first movie. So that's definitely it. As recommend. we're as we're talking right now, I'm also kind of reminded of. Uh... I wonder if there's kind of also a, a a way that when you have more than one sequel, uh, the, some sequels are able to stand out a little more. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking in the case of Toy Story, um, you know, I don't know many people who say Toy Story 3 or 4 is their favorite, but I know a couple who really stand by Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. just because, like, that doesn't feel quite as much of an afterthought because there was so much that came after it, I guess. Yeah, and Toy Story 2, I mean, it, it came out so soon after the first one that you almost feel like they had this grand plan of it being a chapter one, chapter two sort of deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they, they really feel like a like a really strong continuation of the story. Yeah, um, in in the way that, uh, the to go back to the Lord of the Rings movies, since those were all filmed at the same time, like, it just feels like they fold right into each other. It's great. And and it's three books, too, right? So yeah. it, it really does follow the arc of the story. I mean, the, the, yeah, splitting The Hobbit into three movies is really nothing more than them trying to, to get as much money out of that as possible, I think. Because even the first, even yeah. the one Hobbit book is like... I feel like a less substantial book than like Fellowship of the Rings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, no, absolutely. So it, it was less material for more movie, and and I think that's part of the reason why they they feel a little bit more. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can conceive of a way that you could split it into two movies, but I think everyone could see, you know, spoilers for The Hobbit. But the fact that the second one ends on a cliffhanger where they have to go kill the dragon, and then they kill the dragon before the title drops in the third movie, um, like. That's very emblematic of that it was yeah, absolutely just kind of done to to string us along. And you know, we 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 saw um, Toy Story four recently, and uh, I was kind of interested because I, I while I agree that three and four are less necessary, I still think three is a really good end cap to sort of mm-hmm. what Toy Story as a whole is sort of going for. Like it really 
sort of solves an issue that I feel like the other two movies sort of put into motion of like what does happen when all of this sort of ends after when time and like where do, where do they yeah. go and like it really the, the time of it the timing of it was really perfect for that too because a lot of the people who grew up with Toy Story were then adults and it all kind of matched yeah. and I thought 4 was a well-made movie but it kind of solves a problem that it itself creates at the beginning of it you know what I mean uh-huh. like the, the the conflict of that they're solving is that Woody doesn't feel like he's accepted in this new place but there was no indication at the end of Toy Story 3 that that was an issue. So they kind of had to invent a problem to, for the movie to, to sort of solve, if that makes and sense. And when you do that, it just doesn't feel... It's it's like what happened in the new Star Wars sequel, you know, where where when you introduce a problem and then solve it in the same movie, it doesn't feel as grand. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're, it's not part of the... It's not part of the uh, the arc uh, throughout yeah. the whole series. Exactly. Like, Or at least it, you, you can't see... You can't see the uh, the the uh, um, like the through line, through line the foreshadowing right, in yeah, the earlier stuff. Course. If you if you can't see where it's going, it's like a good murder mystery. You know, mm-hmm. the best ones you're able to guess. You know, you were able to conce- there were enough clues laid out that you could have guessed it. Or you watch whereas, it again and you're like, oh, I s- they're they're planting this oh, in my mind. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that that's that's a little frustrating, but you know, it, it was. They're still a very good studio. They know how to make a good movie. So um, even in that instance, I think they, they succeeded, but it just doesn't feel... I feel like that's been true of Pixar recently, is that they've made like pretty good movies, especially with the sequels, but like they felt very unnecessary. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like Finding Dory felt that way, and um, I feel like Incredibles 2 and Monsters University all kind of fit into this same circle of like, these are good movies, and they have something to say on their own, but they were not necessary and I would have preferred they use that time and energy to make something new uh, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's just a little well it, it makes sense that they're kind of sheepish just because look at the last couple new things that Pixar has done it's like onward the good dinosaur and brave or will come to mind it's like the, the new IPs have not necessarily done well for them I guess I, I still think inside out is like one of their better one of their best movies. That's true. Um, Inside, Inside Out felt a little that, better. That's like classic Pixar, like cool idea movie. You know what I mean? Like this is high a, concept. High concept. Everybody can kind of like imagine this being something that like goes on in the background. Like I feel like that that's sort of the best, the best Pixar mo- movies sort of play that that game of like what mm. if this were that or like what if this were alive yeah. and um, that's kind of. I, that was kind of the old joke about Pixar is like they they make movies about that. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, what if fish could talk? What if fish what could if, talk? What if... Yeah, what if bugs could talk? What if toys came to life? Like that, that kind of thing. <laughs> I remember there was a, there were, one of my favorite uh, moments in a Mega sixty four podcast was they were someone brought up the really terrible Steve Jobs movie Jobs that came out after he died. <laughs> yeah, and they said yeah. like, oh, is that the new Pixar movie where the Jobs come to life? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah, I uh, we've been definitely watching a lot of Pixar stuff since we got Disney Plus. I'm probably not going to keep it for much longer, but it's been fun to kind of go through that whole catalog. But uh, yeah, it's it's a nice catalog. I do wonder though if if they'll be updating it enough to keep it keep keep me interested in in wanting to be subscribed. I mean, that's kind of the issue with Disney Plus is that like you you have a fun revisiting all this stuff once and then like after that there's not a whole lot else for you to 
Unless you just yeah. love having The Simpsons on all the time, which they finally fixed. You can now watch in its normal aspect ratio, so that's good. But um, That's good. Yeah, it's like I, I like this new service that I found that, that's in Canada that I think I talked about last week. But um, mm-hmm. I once I'm done with, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm and maybe, like, 30 Rock or something, like, they're not adding enough to it regularly that I wonder if, like, at, at a certain point I'm just going to run out of things that I care about um, on it. Because they're not, like, constantly mm-hmm. adding new new shows to it as fast as maybe they should. And I think that's kind of like a consistent streaming problem, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's why I still buy DVDs. Well, uh, no one's, one no thing, one's letting me watch I Love Lucy. Or not, but one thing I've been doing so, because I'm uh, a little tired of, of binge watching lately. I'm a little tired of all the streaming I've been doing. I've watched all of community recently. I've watched all of Brooklyn nine, nine, and I decided to go back to our uh, to a couple home movies. Oh, and I pulled up our old high school performance of Urinetown. Oh no! Oh no! Ladies and gentlemen, Travis played a, a, a big role in Urinetown. He was he was Mr. Cladwell, and you were great. Huh. Like I, I I was so. I invite you if you haven't seen it in a while, in in a while. I I would send it to you if you want. Maybe enough distance has passed that like you don't you you can separate your performance and not be as embarrassed. But it's you're really good. Like that was a really good show. I had fun in that show, but what frustrates me about the recording is that um, there were four performances, and that was the one performance where I had like a massive line flub in in one of the songs. And, oh yeah. And I I really like it. It actually makes me want to die watching that video. So I. I <laughs> It's funny because uh, I I can see there's clearly a point in the in the recording where I miss one of my cues. There's just like someone mentions my character's name and I am not on stage. <laughs> <laughs> like that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, but also I think more more than that I t- I can totally empathize with that when you when, you, when there's like you've done it right but the one bad performance is the one that gets immortalized. That sucks. Yeah. Exactly. But. I think in addition to that 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 mistake, th- whoever was in the orchestra, I think it was mostly parents and a couple of kids, but I think it was mostly volunteer parents. Um, I I never knew the orchestra leader very well, the 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 music teacher, mm-hmm. um, but uh, she was consistently in her conducting and leading people in like one measure too early, and so like you listen to the songs and like we're doing all right. But we're all a measure off, and it's either she's wrong or everyone on stage is wrong. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that's uh, funny about those tapes. I also feel like they, um, maybe I'm wrong, but they, they shot it on, like, a camcorder, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they just used, like, the camcorder mic to record it, too, right? Or did they actually, like... Yeah, they they just used the... Ca- so it was two cameras, but they, they just used the camera... Uh, the, the microphones that were on the cameras, so it's just theater. Yeah, uh, it's volume. it's really low, low-quality recordings. And also, I remember with Urinetown specifically, whoever edited it did this really goofy, like, camera zoom spin effect... When when yes, the main character when, falls when, off a building and and on stage they do this cool effect where like the wall comes up behind him and it like looks like a, a street is like 
he's falling onto a street. He's falling down onto the street. But yeah. in the edit, they completely ruin it by like doing some like iMovie swirl effect where like the camera spins and it's like why? Yeah, uh, I, I also remember he uh, uh, the, the the person who was the main character. He also jumped down uh, like like he he went down like a fire pole. Yeah. Uh, to get to that spot fast enough, it was a really fast like scene move mm. kind of like he he jumps the lights turn off he goes down the pole runs in front of the thing lights come on and then we're moving the 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 wall closer behind him mm-hmm. um and it's totally lost because yeah it was made in in 2007 2009 or whatever and somebody was having way too much fun with i <laughs> i movie uh i actually think it's really funny because my uh for whatever reason my disk drive, or I guess my DVD drive, couldn't read the disk oh, no. um, on on my computer, but my mom's could. So I, I ripped it with Handbrake, and mm. that's why I I'm, I could send it to you if you wanted. I've got the the MP4 files. Oh, great. There are four video files on that DVD. Two of them are Acts One and Two. One of them is like. A credits like an open like like a cast credits, but it's like the wrong ass. It was like rendered incorrectly. Oh, it's like it was like rendered in four by three, but the visuals are sixteen by nine, uh, so everything's cut off. Oh no! And then the best is the last video on this thing is like rainbow, like extra colors, like clearly a prefab. Uh, iMovie I like video like title effect and it was like you know produced by I don't want to say the, la- say the last name of the person who did it but like produced by so and so productions like they were so proud of the fact that they had iMovie and and gosh when you when you know what they did and then how much effort it actually took it's a little yeah it's a little embarrassing one of the <laughs> things I loved about our high school is that we went to this tiny ass school in the woods basically like like very small community of people. And so whenever they needed something to be done like that, nine times out of 10, because there were not very many people to choose from, it would always kind of turned out a little chintzy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like any, any time we needed like a thing built or like something, some show put on or like, like the fact that we did such a good job with that play at all is kind of a miracle because usually the plays were sort of hampered by the fact that like only a handful of people at that school could act. And, like, most of the people oh, yeah. who got involved really couldn't. And so it was, like, everyone's sort of doing the best they can. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely that that it was elevated by, you know, I, I think we had, like, the new performance performance hall or whatever. And, like, we had a whole bunch of, like, stage tech that was awesome. But then, really, the performance is definitely buoyed by... There's, like, one or two people, like like our friend Will. I think he would be embarrassed to hear me say this. Mm-hmm. But, like... The, the girl who played Hope, mm-hmm. I don't want to say her name, no, of but, uh, like, would not surprise me to find out she's, like, doing opera now, oh, because she, she was... she does. She, she's in, like, musical theater now. Like, that's her Yeah, that's her there world. you go. Like, yeah. she was amazing, mm-hmm. and, like, clearly elevated the whole show. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a good, that was, a, that was the best one. The best one I was ever in, so uh, I definitely have lots of good one? memories of that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at it because I'm thinking about potentially using some of that footage for a video project of my own. Oh, yeah. But uh, we'll see. Have we'll Have see. you ever thought about doing like theater as an adult? 
I have. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, been talking to, to our, our mutual friend Will about this, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about this, okay. too, but, like, one thing that stands out to me as I watch that footage of, of us, you know, in high school acting and, and of us, you know, doing our, our stupid video projects and whatnot is it's so clear how much fun we're having. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, like we always when we were hanging out in the pool house or, or on our own time or whatever, we were always doing voices and like, you know, cracking jokes or whatever. But uh, I think what happens to a lot of people who are like us, um, you know, we were not very assertive, we were not the most go-getting when it comes to acting, uh, is you kind of get scared out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of big personalities that go into acting, uh, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You very much need to be a big personality, I think, to survive in that environment. Certainly. But... Uh, Something takes over, like this fear of looking stupid or this fear of being embarrassed. Um, I definitely noticed at my previous job, and I'm trying to work this into my, my next video project, that there was a a fear of taking the spotlight from someone else. Like, I didn't want to do... I didn't want to stand up because I, I didn't want to take potentially an opportunity from somewhere someone else. There could only be one star, you know? Sure. Interesting. I don't know. I, I, I think about that, and I think about, like, would I be interested in doing, like, a community theater, theater thing or something now? Maybe. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it's also, you know, so much effort. And, yeah, and it's a big time unfortunately, commitment. Unfortunately, it's a huge commitment, and unfortunately, uh, it's it's just not something that uh, our, our current social economy really supports. No, no, this would be something for years from now, probably, when that kind of thing starts up probably. again. But, um... I've thought about it too. I, for me, the the concern has always just been like, can I, as an adult, actually dedicate time to that? Like that seems like such a e even in high school, it, it it was such like a a time consuming thing when you're in tech week and you're there until like eleven p.m. every day. It's just like, yeah. I mean, can I really do that now when I have a full time job and it's not like I'm getting out of work at three p.m. <laughs> you know, like I I feel you like know, that's. Yeah, I feel like it's just so so hard to imagine fitting that in. Um, totally. Um, that That's honestly why, and it's also partially why I... I uh, the idea of voice acting is really appealing to me, not because it takes less time, per se, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm someone who visually looks very different than the voices I am capable of, of you know, my, my, my vocal range. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to acting, like... I can do a lot of very masculine-sounding things, but I'm not always comfortable em embodying those. Right, of course. Um, and so, like, there, there's definitely, I think, in my mind, a uh, a clear duality of, like, this clear desire of, like, clearly, like, I want to... That would be fun for me. I like entertaining. I like being performing. And, and, hey, being able to do that without being on stage would be awesome. But then there's that second voice that's, you know... Uh, everyone thinks they could act, but few people actually can. Just the same way that everyone thinks they can write, and few people actually can. Right, yeah, um, makes sense. You know, it's there's a there's a fear of of embarrassing yourself. Um, and I think uh, uh, to a degree, there's also a, 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 a there's some kind of self. I don't know. You have to be somewhat ballsy to to you know put yourself out there. You have to be somewhat confident in yourself to be able to 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 put yourself out there and and i think 
there's there's a balance between proving it to yourself and, and actually being good that other people recognize it that mm. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I mean, at least with, with voice acting, you kind of mitigate that fear of sort of, like, spotlighting yourself too much because I feel like in, mm -hmm. in most situations, voice actors are sort of, like, you appreciate it when it's good, but you really notice it when it's not good. You know, it's sort of like yeah. if you're doing a good job, no one notices almost. Nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you can kind of, like, not have it be this big um, ego thing of, 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 you know, you're not you're not selling your whole self. It's just one part of you that you're kind of performing. And I think that's really, uh, there's, there's something interesting about that, but mm. I, I don't know. My relationship to acting was always, um, weird because I feel like outside of that and, and in, in most situations in which I'm not like just around people I'm really close with, I'm actually a very like modest and, um, attention avoidant person. Like I don't like to be the center of attention in almost any situation, um, mm -hmm. and yet I really enjoyed being on stage in high school and I, I've thought about that a lot. And I, I think having like being the center of attention in a very manufactured way is very appealing to me. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like it, when you have full control over the circumstances by which you are the center of attention, it's like, Oh, I know what the deal is here. I can put myself like out there. Like when you're following the script. For, for yeah. Example. Like when you know exactly what to say and you, and you can like, you can expect what the re reaction is going to be. Like, it's almost like a way to mitigate, like, my anxiety about being in public, I guess. Like, it, yeah. it kind of it, totally. it kind of cures that a little bit, at least temporarily. And so that's, I think, always been yeah, what I really... totally makes sense. What I liked about it was that I, I could kind of express... I could be loud and expressive in public without having to worry about what the outcome of that would be. And, and, and... and that's something I really, I guess, I noticed in your performance when I was watching the old footage was, was you know, you're doing the voice and affectation for the whole show. Uh, you're, you're, you're putting on this persona that is not who you are. It's, it's mm. very clear that you are embodying the character in a really cool way mm. um, in a really, you know, uh, physical way. And and that stood out to me. I, I think it, I've been kind of poking around and reaching out to you and to, to other people I've I've been impressed with from that performance because I'm just like, yeah, w what happened with that? Like, shouldn't we be you know pursuing our bliss mm -hmm. or whatever? And you know, there's there's multiple ways to pursue and express that, but it's just something that stood out to me. Well, I, I appreciate all the ego stroking, but I have to say you have always, always sold yourself short when it came to acting. And, and that was something that I, I really need to like, to return to you is that you, I remember like you weren't, oh, this is such a great episode. You didn't act very much in high school. That, like you're in town was kind of like one of the, the few major ones where you were involved. You were also in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I only did two of yeah, them. And yeah. both times I thought you were fantastic and you deserved even more, exposure than just those and i also will remember you and will did like an acting class together and you put on a two-person show yeah i wish we had a recording of that because that was also phenomenal and i i really like you need to know that you you should have been in more plays back then because you were far better than i think you give yourself credit for and maybe that that fear of of spotlight or whatever is was getting in your way of that and and uh it's a shame because i i think i think uh you should have done it more yeah, and so th I guess now uh, the the question is with that information, like, what do you do? Yeah, because uh, because you know we can't go back, but 
given the opportunity, would you want to perform again? And I'm trying to think of like, yeah, what are projects that I can do that are letting me, that would let me take advantage of that? You know, like the video projects, um, you know, are there other things that we could do that, 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 or that I could do that would help get me to a place where I'm getting to engage with that more? Yeah. Um, I think that the dream for me now, like the adult dream is something yeah. that we've been kind of like trying to make happen for a long time, which is to make like a, a story based game that we can both voice act in. I oh, think that'd be so. Much I think fun. that's like kind <laughs> of what we what like if if it were a perfect world and we could get whatever we want, it would be that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing is is it's the programming, right? Like and the time and the I, money and the and the the everything because even even outside of programming the art and the writing and all of that would just take so much effort that like things have to to transpire in a very specific way but to relate it to something we've talked about in weeks past though like i feel like a creative process where the process is what you're is the reason you're doing it like if you're if you're self-actualizing and you're doing it for your own personal reasons that's that's the dream. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what the ultimate product is of that. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like uh I don't know, if you can just get to the point of like, yeah, like it'd be a lot of hard work to get like the art and like to write the story and all that, but like we'd probably enjoy doing oh, it. Oh yeah. It'd Whereas, be, it'd be very fulfilling. Uh, I think there's some mechanical elements that are just like, uh I don't know that I would ever enjoy learning how to program and unfortunately yeah. that's non skippable <laughs> in terms yeah. of I guess it depends on the game we're making, obviously, because there are oh, ways to sure. kind of get around it if you use things like Game Maker and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I don't know, like that whole world is cutthroat in ways that we're probably not even really prepared for. And I, 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 won- I often wonder if things would, how different things would be if you and I had like had the fourth thought of like. Oh man, we're not let, let's not go to college. Let's make a company and like do all this shit and like what would have like would that have worked? Would that not have worked? Like cuz I feel I feel like college in for many people is kind of the ultimate like sifter where you get like sent in all these different directions, you know? Mm-hmm. And it sends people away from each other that might have otherwise like been really cohesive to create something. And yeah. I, I think that like we grew up in an area where that was such a high expectation of people, and I don't regret going to college, and I, I doubt you do either. But like, if we had been born somewhere else where that wasn't an expectation, and we had the same kind of drive to make something, and we decided to do that, like, would that have actually, would we have been capable of that, and would that have worked out in our favor? Or would have we would we have really regretted it? I, I don't know. Like, those, these are things that I think yeah. about all the time, and. Uh, Alternate, alternate timeline. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely something to think about. I mean, again, I, 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 I'm thinking about it, in the, in the, I guess, in the context of just, like, you know, pursuing your bliss and, like, trying to figure out, like, what makes you happy? And, like, what can you do that, that would make you happy just to do it? Yeah. Um, and, I, and life is full of those opportunities, and I'm, I'm sure that, like, we are going to find that, find our way there in oh, a roundabout sure. way. I hope like so. I, I think that that's that's kind of what where our destiny is, at least that's what I hope it is. So you know. I mean like like many things we've talked about in the in the past, I, I don't think it's going to happen by accident. Mm-hmm. Um no. but I I hope in, and I hope anyone who's listening out there would would take this as advice too, but like if you want to do something, you have to work towards it. So so you should want to do something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um and and by that I mean like 
that doesn't mean that uh, getting to that expression can't be some kind of work, but like even if it's something that you think you might be embarrassed by, you should still try to do it and and practice that and hone that and make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think performance is one of those things that I think people are particularly quick to judge about because it's really easy to tell when somebody is not performing very well. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, But, uh, like, if that's something you enjoyed, it's it's really kind of a a shame Mm -hmm. that, that, that that... isn't something you can engage with as as much as you might want to. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever seen the movie Chef? Chef, yes. That's a, what I forget what he is, but he just quits his job and goes and becomes a chef. John Favreau. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we watched that last night. I was, I'd seen that before, but that that movie kind of like captures that well. I think that, that yeah. kind of spirit. I, I I love movies like that where it's just about someone being really passionate about something like that. The movie itself, it's funny because I like it a lot, but it like breaks a cardinal rule of like kind of not having an act structure. Like after yeah. a certain point, nothing bad ever happens again in the movie. You know what I mean? It's just following. It's just them. like they're yeah. just having fun and, and like the movie ends and everything works out and there's no conflict. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but But it's still really good because it's just sort of about like the passion of being into something that you really care about. And I think he has a really good monologue close to the beginning of the movie where he talks to his son about, like, he asks his son, like, Are you, do you like this? Is it fine? And he's like, yeah, I like it. And he says, well, I love it, so you better get on that level. Like, if you want to do this, you have to love it. Like, I have given love up it. everything in my life for this, and this is all I can do. So, like, you better be with me on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that sentiment because, like, I think to do something like that. And I have to tell myself this constantly because I'm like the worst at following my own advice, but like doing anything at that level requires that level of dedication. And so it, it, it really, uh, it serves as a good reminder of that, I think. Yeah. And, and I think again, it's, it's, you know, it's like channeling water. It's, it's, it's like, you don't necessarily have to say, okay, how do I get myself to like this thing? Mm -hmm you can go the other way and say, okay, what do I enjoy? And and how can I turn that into something that is a practice that I can, you know, exercise and, and work and grow into something. Yeah, absolutely. And, and worth saying, I mean, I mean, even though I'm sure it's, it's implied, uh, you know, smoking weed and watching movies is, is only going to get you so far in terms of like, if that's what you enjoy, yeah, we all enjoy that. But what else do you enjoy? <laughs> There's already a red letter media out there, so unfortunately, you know the uh, the well is is full of people who made a career out of that. So, <laughs> and and also just, uh, I mean, I, I I don't mean to be rude to anybody, but but. Uh, the world has enough idea people. There's no there's no room for an idea person. Uh, y- you have to be able to to do some of the grunt work to get your vision to be. A reality if you want that to if that's something you're trying to work towards i guess yeah no one and also no one should force you like if you're really passionate about something no one should be forcing you to get work done you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that if you're in a position where like it's a struggle to get through it like i feel like that's a sign that that it's not worth it to you and that's a good thing to, to discover i think is that like it's 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 tough to like a lot of people are in positions they shouldn't be in for better or worse. And probably like need to be reminded that like, if something is really like, if a creative process is really painful in a way that you're not feeling fulfilled by, like I think 
you need to kind of have a discovery of, of what it is that you love about it and kind of re mm -hmm. realign to that, if that makes sense. Because I see a lot of people who totally. burn out and I, you know, and a lot of, especially in my industry where it, oftentimes you have to channel that energy into something you don't care about. And it's really tough and it sucks because like you, I would love to spend every day of my life working on things that I care about. And nine times out of 10, what I'm working on is something that like somebody else made and doesn't really matter to me. And I'm not going to watch when it's done. And, and that, that's really hard to get through. And uh, it's hard to still have the energy to work on something else outside of that. And, and I've struggled with that almost my entire twenties. I've had to like scrape by working on things I don't like and, and, come home and then work on other things I don't like because I dedicated myself to other freelance projects I don't really have a strong passion for. And it, it just finding, finding the things that really like keep you going, I think are really important because I wish I had, I had known that getting into this, I guess, cause I would have made a better balance of that. Um, yeah, it's something I wish I, I had known better as well. Um, because again, the the big thing I just think about is is, is whatever you're working toward, it's never going to happen by accident. You have to be actively working towards it. Yeah, the metaphor I the metaphor I always liked was you have to be ready to catch the wave when it comes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like things can yeah. happen to you out of the blue that you don't expect. Like me getting this job here when I first moved to to Vancouver was an out of the blue thing. But you have mm -hmm. to be ready to jump on it when it happens, and you have to know what to do in that situation, and to not be afraid, and to take action, and to make yourself known. And yeah. th that's sort of what separates people who who are forward thinking and successful, and from people who kind of like get stuck in a rut. We're still deciding, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it sucks because if you're not, if a wave hasn't come yet, and you're still waiting for the wave, like you might feel like you're doing something wrong, but the wave mm -hmm. might just not have come yet. You know, yeah. like, especially right now, I think a lot of people need to remember that because we're in a situation where like there just aren't very many things happening. And so I think people can probably have a lot of identity crises in a situation like this where they're stuck at home and they can't go out and they can't meet people and they can't network and they things aren't hiring and schools are getting shut down and you can't go back to your classes and all this stuff is impeding you. And uh, I think uh, I think it just takes, you know, a, a, and I you just have to remember that things take time and, and some people don't find that success until later. And then some people do earlier and there's never a right time. So I think that's important. Totally. Um, and I, I think the, the, the last thing I'd want to say on that too is, is um, in addition to, to, you know, finding that balance and, and, and yeah, being able to recognize what it is you want so that when it comes, you can just seize it. Uh, I feel like that, uh, I just lost my train of thought. I hate it when that happens. God. <laughs> I feel like, uh, balance. Oh no, it's gone. It's uh -oh. gone. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Death comes to all. Death approaches. Uh, oh, right now. Uh, when I say like you need to work towards it because it's never going to happen by accident. Um, I feel like it's worth saying, uh, you also can't, expect someone else to like w when we say that when that wave's gonna come you kind of have to induce the wave in a way like you, you have to make it happen in some ways oh, sure. like you, you like i'm thinking you applied for that job I, well <laughs> you, you know it, it didn't fall into your lap i sent in a general application i did not apply for that job yeah. specifically but they like if i had not done that then no they would not have contacted me but yeah um 
because I'm just thinking, uh, I, I can think of personal examples where, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes the wave is there, but, but someone's directed it away from you, uh, or, or, or sometimes uh, uh, you're, you're expecting someone to be looking out for your best interests, and they're really not. So you really do have to take full captain of your ship and oh, full sure. agency. Uh, uh, you can't expect anyone else to, to help you get there. Right, but also sometimes that does happen where someone else is instrumental in you getting there, and I think some people also struggle with that as a part of the the anxiety about you mm -hmm. know um, specific the networking. Yeah, but specifically with like imposter syndrome, where it's really mm -hmm. easy to think that like someone did this for me and I am not responsible for it, and they're going to find out, and it's going to be a disaster. You you know what I mean? Like uh -huh. I, I feel like that's a very common thought too. Where in my job specifically. Um, Ever since my first job, every single one after it has been because I was recommended. And hmm. so, like, I, it's easy, it'd be easy for me to feel like I didn't deserve this. These other people who were doing better than me threw me a bone and, like, I shouldn't be here. And it's like, what am I really doing here? Like, it's very easy for people to feel that way. When in reality, like, Yes, you should be the captain of your ship. You should take opportunities. You should put your name out there. You need a network to meet people, to have them offer you jobs. Like, that has to be something that you are being the fuel for the engine of. But it also is a component that I think people need to respect as part of the process as well, is that it does take... Mm. It, it takes that uh, that relationship you build with people, and, and that's really important as well, I think. Uh, I think it's it's important because it's also how you get feedback. I mean, that's how you know when you're not doing something correct because it can be hard to judge your own path. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. I uh, I definitely think that uh, that it's it's super complicated, and and I think people find their way to where they're going in in all kinds of directions, and uh, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Well, we got kind of deep on the on the arts end. Do you do you want to? pull into something a little less uh, heavy before we 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 send our audience out for the week? Well, I you know, I, I I got into the most important topic of the day. I talked about I Love Lucy. You know, great uh -huh. show. Wonderful show. It's just been Wonderful. filling my ears with laughs and uh, and I just, I just, I, I can't recommend it enough. But what have you been, it's... have you been watching, playing anything? What have you been what have you been doing? Uh, I just finished watching Beastars with my boyfriend. Uh, Beastars is a Netflix anime about uh, kind of Zootopia-ass world where where everyone's an anthropomorphic animal. Um, they are humans and the animal species that they are. So, like, they're all people, but, like, the chickens lay eggs, the, the, the wolves need to howl at the moon, whatever. Uh... Didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. Um, definitely the ending, I think, falls out a little bit. But really interesting uh, uh, anime, especially considering it's 3D animation. Um, and I'm always impressed when a studio is able to, to really take advantage of, of 3D animation and, and make it their own. Um, I know a lot of anime studios just kind of use 3D as a, a way to cut costs. Um, so when, when a studio is able to do that and still have a really cool artistic vision, um, 
uh, I, I'm I'm impressed with that. Mm. The sh- like the way they do shadows in this in this. I'm I'm thinking like in the very first episode, uh, right away you see a character like go inside this very dark room, and the co- the way they're doing the colors and the shadowing on him is really really cool. Mm. Um, so I definitely recommend that. I don't want to say too much about like the story or anything. Uh, I watched it in Japanese, so I don't know how the dub is, but. Uh, yeah, it's about a, a, a wolf that falls in love with a bunny and all the problems that come with that. I see. Furry bait. A lot of furry bait. Yeah, I think Akumi was watching it and I saw it in the corner of my eye and it uh, kind of made my uh, my hair stand up on, on edge a little bit. I, I, I get a little peeved out by anthropomorphic well, people. <laughs> it's not really my yeah, thing. <laughs> they're, they're very much, uh, you know, the closest thing there too is probably like the Arthur people. Like okay. they got human hands and feet, which is kind of weird. Like It's um, like cats. It, it's it's, it's, it's like just cats, like yeah. cats. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it definitely, there, I could see there's definitely some stuff in there that I think could make people uncomfortable. Like, uh, you know, one of the characters is a bunny and, and what a bunny's good at. That's right. <laughs> we we watched uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox recently, which is kind of in that vein. But I think does I've it, never seen that. I, I need. It's to. on Disney Plus, so you have no excuse. Um, well, you know the the opening for for B Stars is a stop motion, like in the style of Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's really weird that they made this choice, but they did like a stop motion kind of Nightmare Before Christmasy looking thing. Oh yeah, that's a great. That's a great movie. That's a really, really yeah. good movie that um, I think does a really good job of like. I, Zootopia is a weird movie because like it tries to make the case that like. Animals have differences, but those differences aren't important, or you can look past them. But like I think in nature, like animals are different. It's kind of it doesn't really. Like it, it like yeah. It, um, I mean, what, what this show does, so, so like what Zootopia did that I thought was interesting but kind of fell on its face was they tried to tackle social issues from the perspective of, of like predator and prey. Right. right? But, um, but the problem with that is that like those are intrinsic things like those like yeah. you can't deny that like a, a meat eating thing eats meat like it it doesn't like the message gets a little blurry because like i think the the point should be that like these are not really intrinsic things in our society like they shouldn't be if that makes sense yeah no i i, I think like, uh it's funny because uh b stars does try to tackle a similar thing where but i feel like it's a little more uh, multi-dimensional about it. Yeah. Um, just in that, like, yes, there is the very literal, like, carnivores eat herbivores kind of thing going on. But they go into a lot more of, like, okay, well, what does it mean to be in a world where you are a prey? And, like, what does that feel like? And what does it feel like to be a carnivore? Mm. Because you see characters on both sides that are... Uh, you know, like, taking advantage of the situation. There's a, a, a deer who is um, very much, like, he has to look tough, and he's, like, a big stag, and has to show off that how, how uh, herbivores can stand up to carnivores, and he f- sees himself as very much a, a, a figurehead in that way. Right. And there's a, a wolf character who is, like, ashamed that uh, other characters are afraid of her because she's a wolf. Um, so th- there are, uh, I think... They they play with the metaphor on a deeper level than than 
uh, Zootopia because it's more than just like, oh, uh, you know, predators, people of color, uh, uh, prey, white people, or vice versa, right? It's 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 more than just one analogy. I think in in uh, B stars, I think it's you could make the analogy for like different ethnic backgrounds, different genders. Uh, different religions. Like I, I think there's, there's. I almost think a it, lot it, it kind of you have to treat it as its own dichotomy. Like it can't. Yeah. I, I feel like trying to make it stand in as a metaphor for anything gets messy because again, like there's yeah. There's when inherent... you when it's too direct, it's sorry. I don't want to cut no, you. No, but off. like when it's an inherent, like when it's an inherent metaphor, it just feels like you. There's baggage that comes with that where you kind of like what part fits the metaphor, what part kind of defies the metaphor, and, like, it just doesn't seem... Like, I just feel like there has to be a cleaner way of doing that where you really are saying something that, that feels effective, whereas otherwise, like, there's too much yeah. that can kind of, like, undermine the message in that instance. And so, uh, in in my mind, I think Beastars does a better job because it doesn't have as direct a message. Mm. Um, I think Zootopia was a little heavy-handed. It probably um, has a message about the dichotomy it comes up with in this situation. Like it, it it's mm-hmm. almost like a theoretical what like a theoretical preach of like we're we're saying this about this society that we came up with and not really about anything else. Like, uh, but I, I think you can always fantasy is a vehicle to explore emotions that are are real, even if it's in a fantastic environment. So I I, I think um, there are instincts that humans feel that uh, I think are akin to what the predators feel about their prey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, there are multiple things that could fill that spot. You know, is that... Yeah, they have to be more lust? generalized, Is that greed? Yeah. Is that, is that you know, uh, uh, fear-mongering? I don't know. Um, or, or protection. Um, th- there's, there's multiple things that it could be, you know? Mm-hmm. But they don't go out and say it, which I think makes it stronger. That's good, yeah. I remember... I, I remember when I was watching um, Black Mirror. I haven't seen very much Black Mirror. I've probably only seen like the first four episodes or something of it. But um, mm-hmm. there's an episode in the first season that it's like this really high concept sci-fi episode, like more so than the other episodes in that it like doesn't take place on Earth. It's like in a space mm-hmm. station or something where there's like a society of people who like they have to like exercise to make money on like oh they live underground underground yeah I, I know yeah. the one you're talking and, and the, like, the social boxes or whatever and, and they live in like these weird cubes it's such like an out there concept that the the like the metaphors and the 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 sort of like the the emotions they're playing with become simplified as a result like it like if yeah. you compare that to other episodes that are a bit more subtle with their use of like technology it it feels very heavy handed about like what it's trying to say and I feel like by the end, I'm like, what is this? Ep- like, this episode is so dorky and cheesy because of how, like... Oh, you don't like uh, you don't like the guy holding the, the piece of glass up to his neck? It's, like, the, the, the way that, that show, the, the episode comes together where he, like, becomes, like, this, this YouTube screen. Like, it just doesn't make any sense because, like, they couldn't have it fall into place of, like, a really clean way because the concept is too out there. And, like, uh, I don't know. It just... I- I, I mean, I like that episode, but I, I get what you mean. Like, it, 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 you have to definitely suspend your disbelief to for it to work, because it's so out there and so direct. 
I guess I just I, I, when you're trying to say when you're trying to use it to say something, I feel like subtlety does a better job than like these blatant yeah. like big situations <laughs> that you try to relay in in a in a relatable way to the audience. Like it, it just the, the the signals have to be so much stronger because you're you mm. can't rely on shorthand in the way that you can with like a a relatable experience of people like. There's episodes of Black Mirror where it's a lot more sort of like a reflection of our society with like subtle changes. And I think that does a better job of sort of you kind of play with the formula a little bit and you see how this impacts this reaction, how we would act in this situation. And that kind of you can kind of create more relatable messages. But when it's like, oh, this society is underground and they live in these bunkers and it's like crazy. It's like when you try like that's a cool concept and you can play with that. But, but it's a little too abstract. Yeah, it's too abstract for you to make like a societal comparison without doing like a movie or like a really long exploration of that. But I feel like in just a TV mm -hmm. episode, you have to set up so much to explain how that relates to current human experience. And it just, it, I don't know, to me it felt very, um, very heavy handed, but I don't know. I haven't seen much of Black Mirror, so I can't really speak to how it changes, but... Um... Yeah, I, I kind of stopped watching it after they started making uh, the the more American episodes. I remember I saw one that uh, was about a 20-something-year-old guy who lived with his mom and, like, went off to a, like, trip to Europe to find himself and, and like, plays a video game that kills him. Uh, and, and without spoiling the end of that one, it, it just hit a li little too close to home. Of like, it, it just made me uncomfortable in a way that like this isn't creepy. It's just like, if you know technology, this isn't really a, a, a spooky what if. And also like, it feels like it's kind of just it, it, it manipulated me emotionally in a, in the wrong way. I see. <laughs> well, it almost sounds kind of like um, targeted. Like it, it's almost sort of like a judgment. Like. You pieces of shit. Yeah. You're playing video games all day. You're not contributing to society. You know? Well, well it's not even that. It, it, it was just like... I, I don't even know if it was that negative. It just felt like... I don't know. I, I, I guess it was just I saw too much of myself in it. Mm. And, 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 and the way it ends in particular was just like, oh, man. Like, what a fucking bummer like, yeah that, that's kind of the reason i stopped too is that like it just started to feel like the whole show was engineered to bum me out like yeah like there was kind of just it, there has to be a twist that makes you feel bad you know like i'm not gonna take away anything from this valuable besides just like being bummed out <laughs> I, I don't know yeah which i think is like a common thread with a lot of tv these days is that i feel like it just made to, to make me feel shitty and uh, mm. i i uh I don't know. But hey, I Love Lucy makes me feel real good. So bringing it all the you back still all back Lucy. around, you know. Black Mirror, no thank you. I got I got Black and White Mirror. Black. I Love Lucy. Hey, you got it. Well done. <laughs> um well that's been uh that's been an hour. I think our our uh we've exhausted our quota's been met. Yeah, the quota's been met everybody. <laughs> we've done it. You can thank us in your uh, in your generous Patreon donations. We don't have a Patreon. There's nothing to donate to, so don't even... Rate five stars. Uh, uh, vote. Thumbs up. Vote, vote. Thumb up. Vote up. Vote us up, yo. Uh, <laughs> 
rate, comment, and subscribe. Man, remember when rating was a thing that they they used to ask for on YouTube when before yeah, there. Remember, don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Back when there were uh, stars instead of thumbs up and yeah, down. Yeah, now you like, comment, and subscribe. Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, man, it's. I don't care what your rating is. I just care if you like. Me. It's weird to. Uh, you, like whenever a UI changes, it it's remarkably fast how soon you forget what it was like before. Because whenever I see oh, like, yeah. I don't know, like a YouTube video about like something that happened way in the past on YouTube, like seeing old YouTube UI is a weird trip. It's like, yeah, because you remember it. You kind, but you like, kind of do, and it's also sort of like, could it really have ever looked like this? Like, how, how is that it's... even? Possible. I feel the same way about Facebook too. Whenever they roll out a new Facebook thing, everyone freaks out, and then two weeks later, no one remembers how it used to look. Like I remember it was a big deal when they, like, a lot of people hated when they did the timeline, when they mm-hmm. like when they added the timeline as a feature, that. right? But now I'm like, I don't even know what it was before that. Like, what could it have been before <laughs> there was a timeline? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, did it? What? What was it? It's, I don't know. Like, I honestly have no idea what was on Facebook before there were timelines. Just people. Just people posting messages. I guess. And and it was also, like, it was formatted in a way so that you would always talk in third person. Like, Travis is doing this. I remember that. It yeah. was Your status was always your name first. Yeah, exactly. Travis is. Yeah. And then you could type whatever you wanted. Back then, everyone was just so optimistic about what the future held with all this new stuff. I, I just remember the language everyone used of like, "Isn't this so exciting? Isn't our world so much better for having this?" Isn't it? It must be. And <laughs> I'm happy to say it is. Everybody, what a wonderful world we live in. So what a wonderful. Thank you, world we've Facebook. Created. Thank you, Twitter. I'm just so great job. happy. Great job, Mark. The job you've done. Just round of applause, everybody. Just, I think I think that, that 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 might be it for us. We'll we'll go out on this round. Yeah, everybody, round of applause, big applause for Twitter and Facebook. Everybody, everyone, clap. get your family, get your friends, a big <laughs> celebration for our good friends in uh, in Melna Park. So I call your call your brother, call your dad. I don't care what time it is. Yeah, call your boyfriend, call your girlfriend, like you've got one. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Travis. Hey, everybody. It's me. It's Travis. I'm, I've am i had a whole bottle of La Fin du Monde. I'm a little out of it, but I'm going to try to do our, our ending anyway. Uh, special thanks go to Aesthetics Please. Aestheticsplease.bandcamp.com is where you're going to find his uh, sweet tunes. Uh, not to mention uh, music.businesscasual.biz. Find some other other good business casual stuff there. Our music is uh, provided generously with his permission. He's our favorite, our favorite musician of all time. Better than the Beatles. So uh, you should definitely check him out. And yeah, I hope uh, we, we don't have any... Um, any social media or email address or anything so you uh, there's no way to contact us so uh, if you want to ask us a question uh, I'm sorry you just you just can't so that's uh, that's it hope to see you next week stay classy fuckers goodbye <laughs> <laughs>